Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. We have a, I feel like, I feel like a lot has been going on. <laughs> yeah, in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a lot to do, like racing is really, really back. Like it's all the way back. You know, besides just, isn't it, is it all just back now? It's crazy how one. If you go to Costco, it certainly looks like it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. It It's like one small regulation change and it feels like everything is back yeah concerts sporting events outdoor events farmers markets like every you remove this tiny little millimeter thick covering and everything seems to be back on but in terms of bike races and events it's full gas baby everything is on yeah um and i think you know um a memory popped up on facebook for me and it was one of our first uh, rogue events. And, uh, I was like, as much fun as we had doing them and as much fun as, or as much as we even said we wanted to do them again this year. We're not doing, not gonna, yeah, like (laughs) maybe the last one, like the, the, the season ender one. Yeah. One season Uh, ender (laughs) event, which is cool. But yeah, we've had many people ask us, Hey, you, uh, no, no, because you can literally just throw a dart at any day on the calendar and probably find a bike race. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, there's certainly, I mean, there's even, yeah, I mean, there's Wednesday night races, um, that are, yeah, it's everything. There's just everything. Yeah. yeah it's uh, you can race multiple times a week if you want. Yeah. The whole concern that existed last year of, you know, I could sign up for this race, but why I lose my inch, all that's just, there's no fear anymore, you know, um, yeah. with a race not happening. So it's cool. It's great. It's, I was actually thinking about it just this morning and you know, I've been a proponent the entire time of like, let's just get back to life here sooner than later. But now that it seems like it's full back, like are all the expectations going to be the same? (laughs) Like there was this weird year of like, uh, not that I look to have opportunities to underperform responsibility, but it was just, I was talking with a business owner yesterday or two days ago, rather on a, on a job and he was talking about me and COVID and him and his business. And he goes, yeah, we're back. They make uniforms. Mm. And I was like, man, there was a, I, don't, I shouldn't say this out loud to other people, but as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner in my sphere, like where we were so impacted, it was kind of nice to just take a 2020, no goals. Like a total, like I, <laughs> I was not using a journal to set business related right. goals in 2020. It was just survive. It was just off. Like there was a full off moment. And there was a, a bit of, of brevity to that, you know, like, and it's back now, you know, so it's. Yeah, it's funny because so here in Denver County, um, I guess if you're if you have your vaccine, you're, you're anywhere is I'm a, a mask free zone for you. Right. Right. Uh, and of course, I'm not going to sit there and check every person. That, do you have your mask or do you have your vaccine? Can I see your card? First of all, that feels gross to do. Second of all, I don't babysit adults. Right. Like I'm not going to do it. Um, so, but to your point, like the, the expectations of like things changing, we've for the last 15 months kept the front door of the shop locked and limited the store to a couple people at a time. And almost nobody has questioned it until yesterday, <laughs> like four people. Why is this locked? Are you guys open? Like, 
<laughs> yeah, no, it, I, I th- it was almost binary for so many people. Yeah. Like, okay, over yeah. here now. Yep, it's over. Um, I, I went into owning the Sprouts the first, I think it was um, Sunday, as a matter of fact. So, you know, this new regulation has kind of just got into play mm. on Friday or so. And so I roll into Sprouts and I don't have a mask on. And Abby and I, does, Abby and I don't have masks on. And we're the only people in the whole store. Everyone has one on. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, do you guys not watch the news? Like, we don't even have cable anymore. We don't have TV. And I even know this, right? And a lady came up to me. She's like, oh, you need a mask. And I was like. Actually, I don't. Uh, like, this is this is party time now. She goes, yeah, we just haven't changed yet. And so I was like, all right, well, I don't have one. So she went and got me one. Yeah. And we wore it. But then I went back to Sprouts just the next day. And there was a sign, if you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask anymore. Yeah. So everyone's just kind of transitioning. But yeah. I think once it goes, it's, it's all the way. I felt like a weird. I went to Costco on Sunday. And I felt like an alien because I was one of like 15 people out of 300 that had a mask on. Yeah. I was like, and so my brain shifted. Now I don't feel comfortable in public without a mask on. I feel weird. I'm like, I'm going to get, I don't want y'all's dirty breath. Somebody did, somebody <laughs> did say uh, on that job I was on, they, it was at Denver Water Administration Building. And so they still had a rule with masks. And so a lot of the crew had them on and, and we didn't because we were the talent working the job and. The lady goes, you know what? I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna wear one when I fly. And I was like, you know what? I think a mask on the plane. I, I might be that kooky person. Yeah. Because I've only ever gotten sick, I think, from planes, right? <laughs> like, so I think I might still have the mask on the plane. <laughs> and then I realized how dirty everything I, is. Yeah, everything is before COVID made everything clean. Yeah. Um, positive, that's our positive reach. Right? Yeah, <laughs> shit's dirty. Chad and I stayed in the, at the Econo Lodge in Canyon City last weekend for this race. We'll go over. And uh, first off, I know if you're listening, yeah, I know we stayed in Econo Lodge. I booked that shit on a hotels.com app and it was like, I think they paid me 50 bucks to book the room. Like it was cheap as hell. We're walking up and uh, it's just, it's pretty gross. I go, Chad, what, what year do you think they last vacuumed these steps? Like it was just yeah. grimy. Yeah. COVID made things clean. I yeah. did like that. Yeah, I agree. So uh, anyway, um, so you had a massive block of racing. Oh my gosh. The month of May was just full tilt book. You know, the month of May was the result of having 2020. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to do every race. Totally. You know? <laughs> uh, and then in March I had a race canceled, right? True Greek canceled for weather. And so I picked up a couple of these. Yeah. It was just race, 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 race. Yeah. Ridgeline rampage got canceled. Race, race, race. So yeah. The first three Saturdays in a row in May, May 1st, 8th, and 15th, I had races every Saturday. Yeah. And none of them were really small. No, no. They were, it was a 50K in Fruta. It was then 18 hours of Fruta and then 12 hours of Royal Gorge. So they were all, you know, pretty intense in terms of effort and not just effort at the event, but the effort leading into the event, especially like 18 hours and 12 hours. We have all the gear you need to bring. And yeah. um, so they were, they were quite involved. You know, the 50 K is, is not terribly involved, but, but it was three and a half hours away. Yeah. Three and a half hours away. And when you race a 50 K and you're used to racing hundred milers, you sprint for the entire 50 K. So like, <laughs> it was hard in its own way. Right. Like right. people always talk about that's an easy trail. I'm like, ride it three times faster than you did and tell me how easy it is. Right, so and do it for 50. two two some odd hours or right, whatever. Yeah, right. So, um, but yeah, no, back to back to back racing, and that got you and I chatting. And the truth is that it was in between the races wasn't a lot of fun. In between the races was 
frustrating actually. And it, it brought up the idea of this topic, which is how do you survive a race season, right? How do you go through these events and, and manage it with your energy and your time and resources and focus? And how does that happen? Because I'll tell you, May 1st, 8th, and 15th, those combined put me on a tailspin in many other categories of life. Right. And um, <clears throat> I think there's two, I, until it was, as it always goes, um, you mentioned this, this whole idea, um, and I had literally just heard another athlete talking about a racing block. You know, in training, we always talk about a training block. You know, you have a build or, you know, you're in this part of your training or that part of training and it's all phased out and blocked out. But I don't think until you get to a certain level, you approach it like, okay, now I have a racing block. And what does that look like? Yeah. I, I, and I haven't talked to a lot of people about it either. I was kind of flying blind a bit in, you know, with now all the UCI, the XCO races happening and these guys racing weekend after weekend, you kind of get to see it a bit. And By no means do I think I'm on that level, right? But I've been watching over the weekend each of the races. I typically watch them on Monday on my spin outs um, or Tuesdays, watch the replays. And I'm trying to pay attention to what the athletes are saying before or after on the interviews, you know, because that's where they are. They're doing it and they're doing it all over, you know, Europe and at an incredibly high level, right? And this year, doubling down on the pressure of making the Olympic teams. Yeah, they're all trying to scoop points for Olympics and, or get in. Um, you know, to bring it down to a level that might make sense for people here in Colorado or, or wherever is, um, the Rattler race series does a series of Wednesday night races. And we got a little bit of that last year. And that was probably as close as I'll ever fly to that particular sun. But I raced three, three weeks in a row. Um, and it totally changes everything about how you're approaching your fitness. Um, cause the race, like, it's like you need to rest, recover, recover, and then like get back in seven days. You have to have what most people do over the course of five weeks between races. Yeah. And that's, that's where we have to start shifting what some of our definitions have gotten skewed. Right. So I think one of the definitions that makes this conversation very, very challenging is the idea of an A race. And most coaches will ask their athletes to determine, hey, what are your A races throughout the year, right? Okay. And then once I know your A races, I can set out your your blocks for training and your blocks for preparation for the event. Right. Right. And that's easy when you have maybe two A races in a year, right? But when you're racing back-to-back-to-back weekends, right, we need to kind of redefine the idea of an A race. (laughs) You may have an A race for like a periodized calendar-based training approach but i will tell you whether it's a b c or d race or one through Whatever. four yeah. or however your scale is with your coach when you're on the starting line there's no idea of it being like a b or a c yeah. like you have the number plate on the the slap dick next to you is trying to beat you and you're like dude you're not going to beat me and now you're in full race mode and that doesn't matter like what the priority is on race day and then this is the big kicker at the finish line and like the time after the race when you're thinking about it, whether it was an A, B, C, or D race, doesn't even matter about how you feel about it. If you didn't perform well, you're kind of bummed, right? Not kind of bummed. You're probably really bummed. And does being bummed for not performing well because it was a C race, let's say, that negatively impacts 
at least me mentally into the next training week or the next event or the next, like I can find myself beat down. So I think that for the, you know, uh, for the idea of this top of this episode, you know, the idea of varied levels of importance with races is a, is a big misnomer um, in how to approach like successive weeks. Sure. Right. Well, and it's funny, you know, talking about that, like when you line up, like it's, it's an A. Like when Always. you're on the line, it's, an <laughs> Dude, every time. it's funny because one of our racers uh, is going to nationals and wants to do a race like two days before. And he's like, like keep kind of changing his focus. Like he's, he's going to, he needs to not do the race on July 4th. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> way, there's no way for him to do that July 4th race yeah. and, and be feeling good at the start line two days later and well, at the finish line two days later. And he's not going to. He's not going to do, he's not going to go easy, right? Right. No, yeah. He, he doesn't have a, uh, somebody asked me a question in reference to a statement that this guy had made. And he goes, yeah, but he was saying blah, 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 blah. And I go, everything he told you was true, but it was the maximum limit. Like it's the <laughs> upper limit of like, yes, you can absorb this many grams per hour, but that's the maximum you can absorb, right? Yeah. And realize that this human is all about maximums. Yeah. Like it's everything's it's at a zero or a max. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, he will have a hard time. And that's where, you know, being able to, to see that. And, and I'll tell you, again, bringing up what we're going to talk about today, this multiple races in a row and how you, how you navigate it. Um, in navigating this, I cut two races off my calendar. Not because I didn't want to do them and not because they aren't fun and not because I can't do them, but because by doing them, they're going to negatively impact some other stuff. And I know I can't do them at a a B or a C level. Right. It's just, yeah, you got to have that 30. Somebody has to have the 30,000 foot view. But since you're the coach, you have to have it for yourself. Right. Fortunately, <laughs> my multiple personality disorder allows me to. Uh, speaking of multiple personality disorder, uh, in, in line with this topic, on on uh, Tuesday night, I went out and rode Apex. It had nuked rain all afternoon. Right. But I already had the bike in the car, and I was like, I'm going to go ride. And So um, I went to ride, and I had a big squishy bike, right? The Orbea Rayon. And it's 32 pounds, like, loaded, right? And I'm pedaling up, and the whole idea, like, it was just – I'm out, I, no monitors on, no nothing, just out here for like a good time, right? Just out here to pedal. And I'm just pedaling all super chill. And I get out of the parking lot and there's some guys that are meandering or whatever. And I, I get up onto the trail and I'm just like pedaling easy. Maybe I'm like three cogs down off the top of my cassette, right? So just chill pedal. Hey man, have a good time. Heart rate doesn't matter. And then I hear some voices and I look back and there's some riders back there. And I'm like, no, oh, whatever, dude, I keep pedaling. And then like the voices get louder, right? And I'm like, that's kind of, you know, but you're just being chill, man. Like it's just, you know, you're not even on your fast bike. Like right. this bike by definition. This can't. is the slowest yeah. one. Yeah, so just chill. And the, vo- the voices get so loud, I can art- I can hear full conversation, right? Like they're there. And dude, I tried as hard as I could. And I'm like, just let them pass you. And uh, and then I had to ask them, I'm like, how did how, like, how do you let somebody pass? Like, what's the protocol? Like, I know I pass other people, but I don't even know. What am I supposed to do? I unclip one foot. Like, how do I get past? This is such right. a rarity. I can't let, fuck it. I can't let him pass me and just put the hammer down on a 32 pound bike. I can't do it. I, can't I just do couldn't it. do it. Can't so be done. Not even like in a casual ride. Um, so knowing who you are, I think is very important. Um, as we started this episode, knowing who you are, um, when you look at your race calendar and for me to know that I can't even go casual ride a local trail after work at 7 p.m. without not letting someone pass me, then I need to know if I'm going to sign up for these races, I got to approach every one of them as if it's the only race I'm ever going to do. And the way to approach a race is if it's the only race you're ever going to do is make sure you've done the training, right? That has to have already happened. 
and then make sure that you're fully recovered, meaning your glycogen levels are all the way up and any damage to your muscles has been fully unbound or unwound, like taken away. And then make sure your body's primed for activity with what we call like openers or some sort of activation work. I do both. I do openers two days before and then I do activation work the day before um, to ensure that everything is turning on. It's not confused. It's not delayed. It's not um, like on the couch, right? Um, Everything's ready to go. Um, And that's body-wise important for every one of the races. So leading into May 1st, that's what it looked like, right? It was... um, cryotherapy and light therapy and compression work and mobility work and then light spinning and then more mobility work and then openers and then more mobility work and looking over the course, maybe pre-writing it a little bit. But that was not unique in any way because you'd had a span, you'd had a, a effectively a training block. Right. I'd gone into this with months of training or weeks of training. And so um, another misnomer with definitions, like we think of training as being super scripted, right? Because a lot of us do. Like you're told to ride at this level for this long and this, you know, it's all part. And then you do this, this day and this, that day. One of the things that we don't talk about with training is that you're also allowed to be beat up, sore, tired, maybe go a little further that day and a little shorter this. You're allowed flexibility. Yeah. And when you go into race prep, there's no flexibility. Like there's there's a way to do it mm-hmm. and it needs to be done that way. And if you feel like just going to grabbing a bike and having a fun ride up Apex... You, you can't because it's going to just diminish you for what your intended purpose is on Saturday. So the upside to training that I think a lot of us just forget to take cr- credit in is that you can do whatever you want, which is such a good feeling, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you have to do it, but we got to think that I get to do it. You get to just beat yourself down because when you get to a race season, you don't have that luxury anymore if you want to do your best. Right. Well, let's, I think... Because you've been gone all the time, <laughs> um, I haven't really gotten to hear much. Um, you know, I don't think we need to do big recaps, but I think it'd be cool to talk about each race and kind of maybe have a progression of like, okay, this race, and then how did I feel between like? Because there's also like a cognitive load, right? Like, right. I think we take that away, um, and you know, thinking about like. Not to say that racing is stressful, but it is a factor, right? On Monday, when you get back from your super dope weekend, you have all the the jobby job shit to do. You've got to run your business and cook your food and generally be a, an interactive human with the people around you. Um, but in the back of your mind, you're also like, okay, you, I have this laundry list of shit I need to get ready to not be home for the weekend. I need somebody to take care of my dogs if I can't bring them. I need to pack this shit. I need to have the bike ready. Da, 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 da. So like there's a there's a a big bit of like brain stuff happening too, right? Right. And especially for people like you and I that have a, an OCD style approach to <laughs> yeah. our race prep, right? Yeah. Like you lay out all your stuff the night before, you have your bottles pre-made, you have everything labeled, you know, when you and there's we've talked about it on air many times, but we we like enjoy that. It's part of the um, whole routine in the in the ceremony. It's, it's the it. ritual, the ceremony, but it also, in its own way, brings down that that brain effort. Right, because you get to go into that robotic mode of yep, like this is it, how I get done. this ready. Yeah, and so in order to do that, you need to start with a clean slate. <laughs> so after each one of those race events, I had to undo everything yeah. to then redo everything. Whereas. Um, like I was talking with our with Chad, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we raced together last weekend, and 
He goes, yeah, I just took my bag from 18 hours of fruit. I just threw the same bag in there. I just, I had enough in there. And I'm like, as soon as you told me that, I go, you forgot something for sure. Like there's, cause there's, there's no <laughs> there's way. something you needed for that one that totally that, or you right. didn't need for that one that you do for this one. Or you used, you didn't used. think about it or what, like, and so I was like, this seems like a very bad idea. Um, because I have to undo everything to redo everything. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. So the first race was May 1st, um, and it was desert rats, uh, Sarlacc attack 50 K and that one just came out of left field. It was totally like, cause what were we going to do that week? Ridgeline, Ridgeline rampage. No, there was something else. No, that was Ridgeline and it got canceled. No, no, no. There was something you and I were going to do. Um, I can't remember what it was. Like there was an activity you and I were going to do and you're like, sorry, homie. Going to race. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what that was. I don't either. But yeah. Um, <laughs> you're like, you're like. Super knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. It was like on Wednesday or something. Yeah, because I wasn't going to do Ridgeline Battle of the Bear. I wasn't going to do the Warrior Cycling yeah. this year because it didn't Turns have. Turns out neither were they. Yeah, right. Not only are they not doing it, they are also Ghost Protocol. And there's been no updates to their websites, Facebook, socials since March. So yeah. something's, there, something's there's rumors. amiss, yeah. you know. But anyway. Um. So the reason that the race came out of nowhere was I knew it was going on. Um, Victor was going to do it. He lives out in Grand Junction, so that made it easy for him. And Brian Elander was going to do it because he'd already committed to it. So I knew it was out there, but May 1st being Ridgeline Rampage, that was Abby's big thing. Like she was yep. going to do Ridgeline and Battle of the Bear. That was right. like her thing, right? She's going to do the whole series. And um, so when that got canceled, she was super bummed. She goes, I just wanted to race my bike. Now, mind you, she was going to race – Two, it's like two laps. It would have been like a 24-mile race. When she said, I just want to race my bike, did your heart grow like dude, three times? Dude, she, <laughs> like, I don't know those of you listening, husband or wife, I don't know what your spouse could do to make you super happy. Like, what's that thing that you love them to do and don't get weird? But uh, when she said that, it was so – I didn't even ever think of that as a possibility. <laughs> so the joy that flooded my soul, I didn't even know how to deal with it. I felt like a – I felt like I just got exchanged my blood flow with like Skittles or something. Right. I didn't know. I, didn't know what to do with your hands. No, I was like, I'm so confused. <laughs> so she goes, I just want to race. And I was like, listen, there's this opportunity, but it's a substantial upgrade from the Ridgeline Rampage course, right? This is going to be a substantial upgrade. And it's like all around fruit of all that. Do you want to do it? And then she took about 13 seconds and she goes, absolutely. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm racing then. So that's how we had signed up. So knee jerk. Right. Um, it was really because she wanted to do it. So. We committed to it. Everything was cool with Victor living in Grand Junction. That gave us a place to stay, so it made that pretty easy. And what what trails was it on out there? Yeah, so it's at the 18 road area. Okay, but the only 18 road trails you really ride were you went up the road and then you jumped on front side and that was it. Okay, and then you from this trail front side loops around to actually the whole cliff band uh, that's above 18 road. So when you're parked in 18 road, all of those trails are like flowy and like. Dirt, sand, like smooth, buffed out, super, not tame, in that, but the kind of like tame. In compared terms of to choke. some of the other shit out there. First, definitely compared to like Horse Thief and yeah, all that right. stuff. So it's pretty like buffed out. Yeah. So you're on that very briefly and it takes you to the whole cliff above it. And that's called Sarlacc. Okay. And the climb to get up there, well, you can see how tall it is when you're camping. There, like, that's those huge. book cliffs, right? Yeah, all yeah. those book cliffs, right? Yeah. So you got to get on top of those. Okay. So you go to the backside and you end up climbing up that in some super steep, super steep, gnarly single track. I mean, I was out of the saddle on the single speed and just pushing all the watts into each pedal stroke to stay on the bike. And uh, so you get up there and then it's Sarlacc is the sweet single track trail that just runs on the edge of that whole cliff hmm. and just in and out of trees and swoopy and loop. It's like, it's amazing, right? And then you pop out onto a dirt road, which is 
as amazing as that trail is, the dirt road's equally unamazing because it gains another 2,000 feet of just road. And it's it's in the desert, so there's no trees over it, right? Yeah, you're just grind. It's a, dude, it's a grind. I guess Abby had said where she was at in the race um, that people some you know people were walking. She rode the whole thing. Kudos yeah. to her. Yeah. I rode the whole thing. It was a it was a deal. Um, and then it pumps you out onto a descent fire road that is the loosest rock road I've been on in my like I just surfed it. Right. Like, you don't use brakes because they wouldn't help you anyway. They toss you on your head, and or, so you yeah. just hold on and pray. Um, and then you pump out on some single track and then I'm thinking the race is going to be over because we've done all the elevation gain and we're almost down to the bottom to like where 18 road is. And instead the course put you into a wash and you rode in the bed of a wash okay. for like six miles. So baby heady, deep gravelly rock sand in a wash bed and, um, it's twisty and challenging and all the things. And I rode it and it was, it was really challenging. And I'm thinking to myself, this could be the turning point for... Abby here. Right. Like it, it's a fun race. The yeah. course was awesome. I loved it. Super challenge. I finished like 245. I got uh, first in the single speed and um, I was seventh overall in the whole field um, of, of the pro open as well. So we had done that. I loved it, but I'm sitting there and I'm going, dude, that could be the part that could break her. So I was at the finish line with the guy who got second in single speed and we're chatting and his wife was also racing. And I'm like, dude, there's like a 7% chance that Abby rolls through here stoked. Like, that was awesome. And like a 93% chance that she throws that Norco at my face and is like, I'm done racing. Was it a, was it one lap or was it a... Just one giant lap. One giant lap. Okay. Yeah, one giant lap. Yeah, because like I've had rides and races where when at the... In your brain, we've always, we've always talked about race math, right? Like... Um, halfway to the halfway and I got like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you, all the, all that stuff. And it's just, it's the, like 20% done with the mileage, but 40% done with the elevation. It, exactly. Um, and it, it, it can be kind of a big kick in the ass. Um, when you're really done. Right. And the course is like, I get that you're done, but here's six inches of deep sand to ride through totally. for six miles. Totally. Yeah. That is, there, you know, there or whatever I've had it, I've, you know, I've had, you know, in my mind, I, one of the best things I've learned as a bike racer is, uh, don't listen to the fucking elevation profile of whatever they say it is. It's either short or tall. Yeah. It's never accurate. <laughs> in, in speaking with elevation maps, when it's flat, that's actually the worst. And that's what, that took me traveling across the country racing to realize, like, oh, pff, there's like no elevation here on this. I just got to pedal. The whole time. The whole fucking time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like pedaling 300 watts flat or pedaling 300 watts uphill, still pedaling 300 watts. Yeah. So just because it's flat, and that's how this race finished. Like, yeah. So flat, and you're like, oh, just cruise back. I'm like, yeah, you're not really cruising, bro. So we're, we're back, and um, it was a great finish for me. Uh, Brian Nylander took third in the Pro Open, so that was a huge finish for him. Yeah. Um, Colin Donovan won his yep. category. He got first place. I we're, think in general we just need to take a minute to brag about the number of podiums our team dude, has gotten in three weeks. Silly podiums. We'll, we'll recap them yeah. with these races. But we had, yeah, we had third place pro men, first place single speed, first place uh, men's 50 to 59, and then third place, men's 20 to 29 with Ryan Bennett, who's a new teammate. And then a top 10, like Shane, Shane got a top 10. Shane was in top, everyone was in top 10. Yeah. Abby walked away in sixth. Yeah. Um, so everyone was in top 10. It was 
just, and we're all in the same kit. Like no other team was out there with the same presence and force that No Rider on had. And that's really the takeaway on the event. I just had somebody who lives out of state who was at Royal Gorge, who I know, hit me up on Instagram and say, what do I have to do to be on the team? <laughs> cool. Dude, that's start, 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 start some chapters in other states. Yeah, dude, that's it. You know, um, it goes back to like what our team's about. So, you know, we're, we're at the finish line and, and all those guys are rolling through and V-Rod rolls through. V-Rod got fourth. Um, so like everyone, yeah, everyone was in like a fantastic spot on yeah. the, in their fields. And, um, so we're back at our base camp area, which is right on the course and we're hanging out and, and recovering and chatting and waiting for Abby. And, uh, I'm sitting here like my 93%, she's going to be pissed. 7% she's going to be into this. Right. It's like starting to fade to like 6% as she hasn't yet come through. Right. right? It's getting... And I'm it's like, getting oh, more dude, and more grim. Oh, and like, I'm intentionally not getting out of any of my stuff because I don't want to like, I've been sitting here for two hours. You know what I mean? So, so. Nothing's worse. And he, <laughs> you know, I, the one time I wanted to smash your face through a window was uh, when we were in Bentonville and Case got lost and that, that first day. Oh, okay. And I come grinding up the hill to the car and you're <laughs> yeah. completely changed with a snack and a book. Oh, yeah. I think I was eating plantain chips and reading a book and drinking a booch. It's just like, I, I, I want to hurt you so bad right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I made that a point. On our rogue races, my biggest race was not just trying to win our events, but win our events in enough margin to come back to the gym, shower, and change for when everyone else is rolling in. Like, I loved it. I felt like it was soul snatching. So Abby finally rolls through. And, dude, she is so excited about... A, being done. Like, she was mm. super jacked to be done. We all are at the finish line, right? Yeah. Super jacked about being done, but was not negative. Like, she actually came in with fire, like, piss and vinegar. She's yeah. like, I would have done this. I'm sure. She was right there. I could have passed her. Like, she was super racer girl. Yeah. And way stoked and excited. Um, the dude who we were waiting at the finish line together, he texts me. He's like, so was, was she all right? And I'm like, dude, I don't know how it happened. But she was super jazzed at the finish. And then we grilled burgers. And yeah. that's really when the whole event turned for me and um the finishes were cool and the podiums are great but we all hung out together we grilled burgers and uh ate a bunch of food and hung out listening to music and like it would have been it was about two and a half hours we're all hanging out before they did podiums and awards and everyone stayed there and it was you know looking at all the other team tents and there's like a group of two over here and three over there and a solo person yeah. and, and then we had our team all still kitted up and just loving on one another and that experience yeah. was I was like, this is super freaking cool. Yeah. Um, so that was that was our first race, really, if you think about it, as yeah. no ride around. Yeah. Um, in yeah, I mean, public. like, yeah. Last week we did the, the Wednesdays last yeah, year. They, but that was, I don't know. It doesn't, it has a different feel, I guess. It had, had a little different feel. Um, and just a real problem. I remember sharing it with you and, and you seeing that. I mean, I do this is freaking awesome. And, and that's, that's, that was the first right weekend, so yeah. we're on a high, and I'm like, "This is awesome!" But now you got to get back to town. So we go back to we stay in Grand Junction, and then I know your schedule intimately, right. but like I know Mondays like are your big long day. Yeah, it's right? go time. It's it's you know three forty five a.m. alarm yeah. at the gym by four thirty, and you're there until like six. A.m. And when you do these, oftentimes you're you don't wake up at. 6 a.m. on Sunday, so you have the whole, lots of times you're like, no, I'm gonna, I'm out here, I'm gonna do another ride. Oh yeah, dude, like, I wrote, I wrote, like you're, you're gonna Justin Holly the fuck out of it, yeah. which is like cram as much shit 
into the place that you are mm-hmm. and then yeah. come sliding across the finish line to go to bed just in time so that you can wake up at 345. Absolutely. So you're driving back, you know, probably starting to drive back at 3, 4 p.m. Yeah, I think we started because I rode uh, with, with Victor out there and uh, uh, and yeah, I was like not going to. I hate the guy that wastes Sunday. Sunday gets wasted, right. right? Like Friday you work and like smash in planning and packing and maybe you drive to your destination late at night on Friday so you can have like your Saturday and then everyone starts like packing up first thing Sunday morning. I'm like, nah, bro. Like I want to, it's a whole day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, you're right. We came sliding, sliding through the finish line late. Uh, I can't park the truck with all the crap in it. I have to take everything out and off and, and do all that. Um, so we did, you know, and then rebuild because I don't want to go into Monday with a bunch of like dirty to do's because I got another race coming up right. and I got well, new to do's. Yeah. Now you've got, so now you're going into a planned race, right? right? So you have this unplanned. So six months ago when you were thinking about 18 hours of Fruta, even if you weren't really coming up with a plan in the back of your mind, you knew how that week was going to look going to 18 hours of Fruta. Right. But then you threw in a wild card and now you've got a whole set of like, what does your week look like for recovery? You can't really call it training because, like, hay's in the barn. Yeah, you can't. Then that's that's a big tenet of this conversation. Do not expect to be training in a racing block, right? Like, you, your, your only opportunities to gain fitness are going to be on race day. With that said, <laughs> I think you gain more fitness in a racing formula or racing format than you could on any prescribed threshold effort like your coach gives you hey i want you to go out and do threshold and do blah blah blah, blah. you're like all right cool 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 but when you got in race like no one scratches the level of effort as you do when you're racing like right. you just you just can't right like we're just that's the way we're motivated you know mm. so not only is racing racing but it also is an opportunity for training and growth and development which requires you to recover from that um so the sundays like the fact that i stayed in Grand Junction road sunday was because Sunday's the only day I have to try to gain fitness. Now, I'm depleted for sure on Saturday, but I can train low. I can train depleted and try to get some gains on a Sunday effort. Right. Well, and it's all like training really is just that balance of like load versus recovery, right? Right. And so, you know, you've got a window there before you you need to start recovering. You can train Sunday. After right now, a lot of people don't want to. They want to mail it in, but don't like, <laughs> like that's your only awful. that's your only day to, to train. If you're in a in your if in you're a in a racing block. block, if you're doing two to three races in a right. in a small window, yeah, in like a month's time or yeah. so. Um, and then Monday's going to be recovery. Tuesday's got to be recovery. Wednesday's got to be prep. Thursday's prep. Friday's prep. That's but like, what's the recovery like? And so, you know, for me, what I've learned. Um, and I learned it the hardest at the, uh, the state champs last year was I do so much better when the engine just stays running than like Norma and feet up and yoga. And like, I don't, I know last week when I was doing openers, you were like, dude, you're no, like too hard. But like, I just went off a feel like my body yeah. feels so yeah. much better when I, yeah. I, I kind of just keep it in that not high effort, but like, so what is, what is recovery, recovery, recovery look like? Yeah. Like, do so, you still do openers? Do you? So say you, you race Saturday, you, you got to train Monday, Monday or Sunday, rather. Sunday was a free, a free day. Monday has got to be your first day of recovery. So I do it one of two ways. Either one, I'm completely off the bike for training or movement as prescribed. So 
I won't do a prescribed thing. But what I will do is I commute that day. So on Monday, what, I, what I'm doing is I commute to work and I commute home and I ride my dog. It totals to about 10 miles of no effort pedaling, like either on a Linus, like three speed or um, like a single speed commuter bike. Something easy, yeah. Something easy. But it just, what that does is it lets me pedal a bike, right? And then I can pay attention. Like, is anything weird in my knees? Anything weird in my calves, my back? Like, are there any acute pains? Like, I know I'm fatigued and like my legs just feel like shit, okay? But is there anything acute? I can find that out with commuting, right? And that's enough. But when I get to the gym, what I'll do on Mondays is I'm going to go into, and I'm not going to call it strength or even power-based training. What I'm going to go is do is simulate those moves that would be strength and power if I had heavier weights. Right. So I'm doing... But doing with little dainty weights. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing single leg deadlifts, deadlifts, squats, lunges. I'm doing lower body focused moves, but without a big load mm. so that the muscle, it's already damaged, right? And so there's this, kind of, this idea of super compensation wherein you can take damaged muscle and then train it just a little bit. And then when it fully recovers, you get kind of this like bloop of super compensation. Like you would have only gone to here, but you gave it a little extra like fire sauce, right? Mm-hmm. A little squirt. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do on Mondays and then commute home. So I got to ride a bike. I got to find if I had any acute pains. And then I did a bunch of movement that activated and used muscle, right? Tuesday is zone one spinning. Boring AF. <laughs> like the yeah. fi- this is when I'm watching the UCI races. Yeah. I'm and even watching the UCI races. I'm like, dude, I'm so I cannot wait till this is over. And now, mind you, I just did a two hour, 45 minute effort at above threshold, right? Yeah. And I can't barely last an hour of zone it's one because it's, it's just boring as fuck. Boring, dude. And that's why no one does it, right? Zone one is for me, zone one, I can get up to about 180 watts, 185 watts. I can't go any higher than that. If I go any higher, I start breaking to zone two. And what we're doing there is we're, we're using everything in our peripheral fitness modality and cycling, but I'm not creating any damage. So I, at zone one, you're not going to tear any muscle. You do zone one for three hours. You're not going to, like, there's no need for recovery drink or like, like. And zone one's like 55-ish percent? 50 to 55%. Yeah, 50 of FTP. Yeah, of FTP. Yeah, yeah just super lame, yeah. right? Um, matter of fact, our heart rate monitors, I don't even really register much effort when I do it. Yeah, um, it's pretty low. But my legs are spinning. And when Blood's I do flowing. these... You do break a little sweat. Yeah, you break sweat. You're inside, break some sweat. I uh, I also will work on some cadence stuff a little bit. So I'll do zone one at a high cadence. I'll do zone one at a lower cadence. I'll start to play with that a little bit, right? Play with my cadences to just to know like that ability to make that shift is so integral in a race when you're like just feeling either stuck or beat up or hurting in a spot. Well, let me spin faster or slower. So I'll play with that a little bit. That's Tuesday. Um, also on Tuesday, I'll do some assisted recovery. And that's where our friends over at Restore Denver have been helping me out with some access. And I'm doing cryotherapy and compression therapy there. So squeeze and then freeze. And, uh, the, you know, is it working or not? I'm, I'm a month in on doing it. And I'll tell you, to test it, I went against the grain here. And I have done zero foam rolling in the last month. Because I wanted to test their product, right? right. Like, hey, does give it the full right? Does this compression? So I do forty-five minutes of compression, and then you're in the freezer for three minutes and fifteen seconds, and then ten minutes of this red light therapy. I'm doing that twice a week, so I'm doing that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Does that make a difference? Well, I gotta let me take everything else out. 
and see. And uh, it's been it's been pretty cool so far. So I'll do that on Tuesday as well. Mm-hmm. Wednesday are our openers. So Wednesday now, I've given my body this. I trained on Sunday still. Monday, I was off the bike for most practicality here. Tuesday, I just did easy spin, no damage. I still like recovery. Okay, now my body's kind of, if, if I was thinking of a roller coaster, I'm kind of like at the bottom in terms of energy, right? Because it's just been like, come down. So can it get back up? And I don't want to find out on race day. So Wednesdays are going to be openers. <laughs> right. Um, and so the purpose of openers, I, I think, I didn't get it till last year, but it's really like, I think it's to remind your body how to go hard. Yeah, we we have such a... I was talking to somebody last night at our team ride. And we were talking about their heart rate effort because they were trying to PR the climb of Falcon. And he was referring to his heart rate as it. It. Like, well, it just didn't get up. Like, and I was no, like, you no, didn't. Like, you know you're it, right? Like, it <laughs> is you. But, but like, come on, bro. He's like, well, uh, we're having some sort of DID thing, like disassociative identity disorder with your heart rate and you like, yeah. So, but the truth is we do that all the time. We think our brain's one thing, our body's a different thing and our heart's another thing. Yeah. And, and we start to shift blame. Like it can't, and we forget that it's, it's all one unit, but you've got to allow it to be one unit. And what openers does or openers do, uh, they remind the body how to fire in when to fire because a lot of times we have like zone seven they call it like neuromuscular firing mm-hmm. neuromuscular zone zone seven on a, FTP. a scale what percentage is that it's like above 150 percent. okay it's really high. above 170 like as hard as you can go but probably for like seconds yeah yeah so it's think of sprinting right yeah. not like running fast yeah. but full-on hard as you can go as hard as you can sprint yeah. you got like 10 seconds in you yeah. and then you're done yeah. um so when you call upon your body to do that, your muscles are like, okay, now I am going to do this really hard thing. It's a snap Bam. signal yeah. from the brain and the body, the muscle has to know to do that without you intervening. It's almost autonomic, right? Mm-hmm. An autonomic response. But you got to train it. And that's what openers do. They, they force your body to train that, that firing so that the muscles know what to do on, on a neuromuscular level. And so openers just do all of that. And now you don't do enough to do damage, right? It's like a 45-minute workout. Um, give or take, and you're only doing about 10 to 20 of these, 10 to 15 of them, super, super short. So um, I do like one minute openers at FTP, and then I do about 15 to 30 second openers, um, well above like zone six, zone seven, and then maybe I'll jump into zone seven for like five second kickers. And as a single speeder, I do it standing a lot of those. Um, And so it's brief though, and you want to think no real damage. Again, this isn't like a have a protein shake afterwards. You shouldn't be damaging muscle. Um, there's no point to damage muscle on a Wednesday when you're racing on Saturday. Um, you're, you want to load the glycogen. And then Thursday is the hardest day, right? Thursday is the hardest day because you can't really ride a bike, right? There's no real point to ride a bike. At this point, you're not going to gain fitness. You've already recovered. You've already opened the body back up. So riding a bike at this point is really not going to provide you anything Unless you need it emotionally, which I do. So I commute on Thursdays also. I do a commute and then I do some banded work. So a little resistance band work to open up, turn on glutes again. I kind of similar to what I did on Monday, but even lower intensity, right? So real just body weight focused, um, stability work. Like, and again, paying attention to any acute things. Has anything crept up that maybe was just settling in from the weekend that has, hasn't come to the surface yet? 
Um, so the best way to spend Thursday is that briefly, 30 minutes or so. Um, and then I do another recovery session with right now the cryo and the normal tech or that would be like foam rolling and stuff like that if I wasn't using them. And then this is bike prep day. So to get your head around a race and to, to like itch the scratch, go to your bike shop and drop 150 bucks <laughs> on the shit you needed. <laughs> get new tub of chamois butter, right. a stack of bars or right, like gels. That yeah. tire, like I'd probably uh-huh. be okay. If your response to something on your bike on I'll Thursday is, it'll that, probably that, that, be all right. Yeah. Nope, replace it, yeah. right? Like um, because you don't want a variable yeah. that's out of control. So um, Thursday's bike shop day. You see me every Thursday yeah. and I come in and it's like, I almost like look around and I'm like, what else could I pop? I don't know. I just need to be here. A new pair of gloves, maybe like it, th- that's Thursday. That's your day. Yeah. Um, and then Friday before the race needs to be spent, um, visualizing the race. So what, um, you know, what's my strategy? What's my plan? What am I going to eat? Have I mapped it all out? When am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? Um, I talked to a lot of our racers for Royal Gorge, um, on Friday, before the event, and I was asking them, I'm like, well, when are you going to eat that? When are you going to drink that bottle? When what are do you gonna mean? Eat? And they're like, well, I'll do it on that lap. I go, well, what if the lap doesn't allow you to grab your bottle ever? Right. When are you going to do it? Well, then I'll do it at the tent. Okay, so then let's just make the transition area. That's where you eat That's and drink. That's where you eat and drink, yeah. And you don't eat and drink anywhere else. Let's build that plan. Yeah. Okay, so like that level of visualization, like Michael Phelps this thing, like play the tape, see it all the way out. That's done on Friday. Um, also, as I'm checking over the bike, I'll go pre-ride the bike a little bit just to make sure everything's like settled in and I don't have anything goofy there. Um, if I'm at the venue, I might go ride the start of the course and the finish of the course because I really like to know the start and the finish. Even if it's only like a half mile or a mile segment, I like to know it. That familiarity helps to ease some of the nerves at the start line because I know exactly what I'm getting into. And it helps me to help play that tape a bit to visualize the finish. Like every year at Leadville, I ride that whole last street where the red carpet will be the day before the race. Right. Because I want to, I want to feel what elation I'm going to feel. I want to simulate that as best as I can. Be like, yeah, dude, when I'm coming through here tomorrow after 104 miles, man, I'm going to feel good. So if you're by the venue, I like to do that um, on Fridays. And so um, coming in 18 hours of Fruta, that's what we did on Friday. We went and got to ride chunks of it so that we knew what was going on. Super chill lap of the course. You can do all that stuff on Friday. Again, you're not damaging anything. So that's what a week looks like, which right. is involved. It's it's a lot. And you have then, a job, too. And then, yeah, on top of it, how many <laughs> sessions a day do you have to coach? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have a wife. Maybe talk to her. You know, <laughs> right, like. right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's all the other stuff. How much of that, you know, I guess you you know your shit, right? Like, you're a fitness professional. So, like, did it take a lot for you to put that together? Or, like, coming out of Sarlacc and knowing that you then had 18 hours and Royal Gorge, did you kind of like intuitively know what you were going to do? Yeah. So this will be the first year that I have done all of this as scripted, planned and intentional as I've ever done it. Like I knew I've known, I've known all this stuff, right? but to lay it out. to so like put it all together right? and into a package right? for and, yourself. Right. And say this works. Right. Now, last year I was doing hundred mile races, right? Right. And they were spaced once a month. Yeah. Okay. This is back to back to back. So it was so important to have the schedule and to play it and then to replicate it. And I got to do that. You figure I had four weeks of that because I had the week before Sarlacc. Then I have the week after Sarlacc and then the week after 18 Hours of Fruta and now the week after Royal Gorge where I was doing the recoveries. So it's like four weeks to say, well, is this really working? Um, And with 
the results the way they were. Like it worked, it worked. right? So, um, so the eighteen hours in Fruta, it's always super fun to watch the longer races um, on the the event trackers because you gave me a call um, on Friday. You're like, yo, dude, some people are kind of gunning for us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we had teams like like reaching out to me saying, we're coming for you yeah. guys. Like, and In a so, fun way. So, so nobody gets like twisted up or thinks it's, it's something weird. We're all, it's the same tribe, right? Like it, yeah, we're yeah, all, yeah. we're yeah. all out here to ride bikes and ride them fast and have a good time. And so it's not met with any uh, malice or uh, uh, any aggression. It's fun, right? Right, it's um, the the NBA playoffs are starting, and I was watching an interview with Draymond Green, who plays for the Golden State Warriors, and he's really good friends with LeBron James, who plays for the Lakers, and they had to play a game last night to get into the playoff. Like it's like as high level competition as you can have, and they're buddies. He's like, yeah, dude, we text all the time, but like once you step on the court, yeah. you're is you're you're just a, a a shadow almost. Like you're not my friend, right? Right. Um. So yeah, the guys, that, but they they were they were coming like. We knew we had to be on our A game. Yeah. Um, and it was fun because the format of uh, Royal Gorge and the format of uh, 18 Hours were very similar where it's it's laps alternating. You know, you did a duo for, for Royal Gorge. There was a four-man for, uh, for 18 Hours. And so you just watched the laps tick up and up and up and up and up. And... And all due respect to the guys you were racing against because they put out just a stellar effort. But there was a point where I stopped looking at the lap <laughs> counter. <laughs> <Dude>. so, <laughs> and yeah. again, I don't mean that with any disrespect. I could not, like the guys at the bikery, I, I couldn't reproduce the effort that they put out against you guys. So all the respect. But like there was just a point where like you know enough race math yeah. to know that's like, all right, well, that's an uncatchable lead. Yeah, and and I mean we could have rode the last five laps with no tires on our rims, yeah. right? Um, but we earned every bit of that lead because we put ourselves <clears throat> all the way on it. Yeah, um, it was I, kind of a dream team, a little bit. Yeah, we yeah we brought the <laughs> like, squad. You know, like, not now again. Everyone on our team, like I'd ride with any of you guys. Yeah, um, but we brought some hammers, right? Right, and so. Myself, Chad, Brian, Victor, right? That was our team of four. And I've done this event before, back in 2016. Yeah. And in 2016, when we did the event, you know, it starts at midnight. And that's the challenge to 18 hours of Fruta is it starts at midnight on Friday, okay? So I was out there Thursday night. I was the only one that got out there Thursday night to, to stay. And so I woke up on Friday morning. Like you wake up, when you wake up camping, you wake up early because you wake up with the sun. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I was up at, and I, I tried to sleep in. I was up at like 6.30, 6.45 Friday morning. And you go, okay, cool. This race is going to start at midnight. So around like 3 or 4 o'clock, it'd be nice to go to sleep for a few hours, right? Okay, well, good luck when like all your bros are showing up and everyone in the whole venue is showing up. And yeah. it's like, is like Mecca of mountain bike stoke, right? Because we're in the middle of this. They call it the oasis in the desert because it's Fruta, which is all dirt and desert. And then where this lake is in the state park there are giant old growth oaks and like beautiful yeah. green grass. I've like, camped there. It's amazing. It's so it's unlike anywhere else in Fruta. Yeah, it's it's wild. They call it the oasis and it's aptly named. 
So everyone's there and now everyone's got like their dope camper vans and bikes and gear and sweet that like everyone's got all their cool and shit. And not only, and then on top of that, three of your good buddies are showing up. Totally. <laughs> yeah. For you guys to do an event together. So yeah. you aren't sleeping. Like you can try. So like, you know, the idea is, is to try to sleep. Well, that's not going to happen. So I've done this event before and when we did it, we started off all four racers and all four racers just exchanged every, every lap. So you went right. one, 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 yeah. one. So you get a... What is it, a roughly three hour break? No, no, like a 90 minute break because you're doing oh. 30 minute at the time. Oh, I didn't realize in how fast 2016. The laps were. Okay. Yeah, laps were about like 30 ish minutes, okay. right? Um, for like the fast dudes, yeah. right? 90 minutes sucks because it's not like not really enough time to chill out. Right. <laughs> so it's all super cool for the first like three or four hours, right? Because uh-huh. you're like, go rip a lap as fast as I can. And it's at night. So you got your lights on, you know, it's midnight, whatever. And then you chill for like night. You get to eat whatever you want. You have all your snacks. Like your whole smorgasbord is laid out. Like you're having a good time. And you do that again. And you do it again. But eventually it becomes 10 a.m. Yeah. Right? And you've been doing this for 10 hours. And now it's like, oh, it's my turn. I got to go. And then, oh, it's my turn. I got to go. And then you get to like 2 p.m. Now remember, this race ain't over until 6 p.m. So in 2016, towards the end of the event, it was like, oh, my God. He's got to go. Dude, I can't go. You got to do a double lap. I can't. You know, it's that yeah. energy. So I knew that. So I was like, okay, we're going to do a different strategy. Victor and Brian, you guys are going to go to sleep at like 9 o'clock, right? Normal night, right? Have dinner or whatever, go to sleep and do you. Chad and I are going to stay up. And starting at midnight, Chad and I are going to go double laps. So hour on, hour off for six hours. And then we're going to wake you up about 5. And then you guys get up and get geared up. And then at 6 a.m., we can go to sleep for like five hours. And you guys got a six-hour block. And then we get to the last six hours and we'll go one, 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 and we'll just chase each other, right? So that way everyone got like a night's sleep. I had sleep. no idea you guys did that. That was the strategy. <laughs> now, the strategy is amazing, right? Like, you probably, we need to edit this out. <laughs> so no one uses it. Yeah. Because the, like, because everybody else is probably just, everyone else is getting shelled, dude. Yeah. So by the time, like, midday rolled around on Saturday, everyone's just like, they're zombies. And we're like, meanwhile, jacked. two of your dudes, two of our dudes got, a full night's sleep almost. You you and Chad got a dope nap. Right. Like <laughs> Right. And you're just ready to roll. Yeah. So the race goes out. Everything's working out as intended. And um, however, we got Elander. We got Brian on our team. He's like a 19-year-old kid. Tell a 19-year-old kid to go to sleep when a race is going to start. <laughs> right? But he did. Yeah. But he was stirring around like 3 a.m. Yeah. And you could tell like he was like, stirring. Guys, can I come <laughs> race? <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> I'm observing our lap times. And one of the things, as much as our strategy was sound, one of the things I didn't put into play is even though the course isn't terribly challenging um, terrain, it's super twisty. Mm. And it's got this like chicane area through all these, like, I don't know if it's scrub oak or what these, these willows or whatever it is, but it's hyper twisty and blind. And so when you're running with lights, a twisted turn is, is black. It's basically a black, it's yeah. a black hole. Right. Yeah. And so, for Chad and I, we did all of our racing for this first part of the race. It's all in the dark. In the dark. So we're trying to be in the dark and we're, twi- well, we're getting towards the end of this six hour block and like I'm swapping out lights. Now I got lights that are fading. He's got lights that are fading. Because of that, your light's not as bright. You may blow a little bit of a corner. So you got to like power back out. Yeah. So it starts to become a little mentally taxing just because you're like, like, fuck, I can't like see everything. You know, yeah. you get a little, this you weird. You can't autopilot as much. Yeah. It's t- twilight zoning. So, Chad does two laps. I do two laps. Chad does two. I do two. Chad's doing his next one. And I'm watching his time on his fourth lap drop from his third lap 
enough that I was like, yo, we're losing a bit of our edge. Like we're just losing a bit of our crispness. Uh So I went back and checked in with Brian and he's like, I'm kind of awake. I was like, cool. You down to ride some night laps like, or a night lap? He's like, yeah, dude, I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go. So I got him getting ready. So Chad rolled his, what was his fifth lap or our team's ninth. Uh-huh. And I traded off. I took the next one. Uh-huh. So we went 2-2, two, 2-2, two, 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 one, one, uh-huh. And then Brian jumped on course for his two. Right. Because I saw our time slipping. Now, that's, right. a, that's a part of racing in this event. You need to be cognizant of your times all the time, you know, because you can see this stuff happening. So now Brian is out there, and then Victor's waking up. And so they're going to take over, and it's Chad and I's turn to, to go to sleep. So we took a full shower, got out of your kid kit. Like we got all cleaned I love up it. and then we go into the, into the camper to sleep. I've probably taken in 800 to a thousand milligrams of caffeine in those six hours of racing. So I'm laying in the bed, just, just like my body's pinned. totally rested, but my eyeballs look like I'm like a UFO dude. Like, right. And Chad's the same way. Do we both laid there for five hours? Didn't sleep a minute, but our bodies got to rest. Right. Which there is a big asset to it. You know, um, there's some argument in the recovery world about the way sleep works. Um, if you can be in a really restful laying position, your body recovers. The upside to sleep that that we do miss is that our brain has a one-way track. So when you're living life consciously, you're intaking a bunch of stuff, right? Our brain doesn't have the time to categorize and filter and then dispel the waste at the same time that it's into. It's a one-way highway. Yeah. So when we sleep, that's when that shifts and now the waste gets to leave and so right. cognition is what you lose yeah with yeah that thought you get that that's where that's totally. where you're like that sleep deprived foggy feeling totally. um yeah I've, I've listened in to a lot of stuff about like sleep and like how like that's really just for like flushing those the proteins and all that mm-hmm. stuff that builds up in your brain over the day right. that like makes you feel fresh recovered cognitively there um, also helps pr- like cut down chances of shit like Alzheimer's and shit like yeah, that. I'll, yeah, I mean, can't, uh, sleep's the best <laughs> On and on and on, yeah. But we got to lay down for five hours, which is nice. So then we get back up and then I get jacked up. And then the, the last six hours of the event, then we got to just go lap, lap, lap. And you're right, we were so far ahead. Um, we ended up setting a course record. So if you go to 18 Hours of Food website, like we've done the most laps in the shortest amount of time ever in the 15 years of the event. Mm. Um, but we started racing each other. So oh, like nice. Within our team, yeah. we're racing each other and like <laughs> flexing on one another with our times. Yeah, like, that's awesome. It's just crushing. That's and so, so good. the event finished up and yeah, we ended up, get, we ended up winning. And um, the, the best part of it was we thought we were going to beat the course record. And then the lap timers uh, were running for a while. They lost power to the, the venue. And so they were running off a generator mm-hmm. and it kind of goofed up a little bit with the, with how the laps were uploading to the cloud or the internet whatever mm. and uh yeah because it just got stuck for a while yeah, it got stuck but right? i didn't hear anything from you and i think at like 7 30 i was like i assume you guys won yeah <laughs> You're like, so they were printing it out and like taping it up yeah. manually but they weren't updating the website and so we kept relying on the website and um it got stuck and then it kind of unstuck and then stuck again so i was doing the math and i'm like guys we can't beat the record and uh they're like what i'm like dude like, we'd have to run 28 minute laps and brian ran uh, a 28, like 40 or something like right. that. But I'm like, we would all have to run 28 minute laps for the next five laps. And like, just, that's not going to happen. Um, so whatever, like we won, we didn't set a course record, no big deal. When Victor comes through on what would be his last lap, right? At this point, we've all done 12 laps or whatever each. Let's be at the finish line and we're just going to party lap the last one. 
So everyone rides together. So yeah, no, it's not like really within the lines of the rules. It's one racer on course at a time. Yeah. But a lot of other teams were done, so they just weren't riding. Nobody anymore. was racing. They were like, yeah, we did what we could. Yeah, and we got. And it's not like we held anybody up. No one passed us, right? right. And so we party trained it with the four of us. Victor on the front because the poor guy had just finished like his fastest lap of the event. We were negative splitting in our last lap, oh, which wow. was awesome. Yeah. So he leads it out. We all ride like four tight, and it just was such a cool demonstration of teamwork because we rode the lap and then came through the finish area and got to see everyone cheering us. And it's like us four in our kits rolling yeah. together tight. Super cool photos were taken. Yep. Um, well, come to find out with the timing all messed up, that was our 34th lap as a team. And it was setting the course record, <laughs> and we got to do it as a squad on a party lap, which made it. They gave you that lap, even though all four of you were on, on course. Yeah, because when we got to the finish towards the finish area, the three of us peeled off, and Elander took the bid through. Okay. And so then they gave it to us. Yeah. I, I mean, we rode it, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. They didn't like DQ us right at that yeah. point, and uh, and we weren't really being jerks about. It. Now I won't say we weren't being jerks throughout the whole race because we were riding really fast and making people <laughs> get out of the way. But um, but yeah, so it was just, dude. That was like. You know, I don't know if I ever need to do 18 hours of Fruta again because that was so perfect. It's like such a like a high. Yeah. Like, anything, like, like what would it have to be to do it again? Right, right, right. There's like, a, it's like the last year of a, a great athlete on, their, on the court or <laughs> yeah. on the field. And you're like, dude, don't come back and be like the marginal version of you again. Right. right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't Brett Favre this shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just go, out, go out on top. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's how that went off. And, that was awesome. Again, though, we're in Fruta. Yeah, the so race you got, on you got Saturday. Your whole shit to do again. So you're definitely going to ride on Sunday. Definitely rode on Sunday. <laughs> um, definitely going to ride on Sunday. Definitely still have to drive four hours back or whatever. Well, yep. three the way you drive. Um, <laughs> I take it as a compliment. No, I do. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, and redo that whole week. That yeah. I'll, then you got to like, hit the reset. And then... Um, that Was it that weekend... That Rob did twelve hours of May Severity. So we're weird. So we got a little Fruta. shout out just because he's kind of been doing it. He's been mopping the floor, but he it kind of seemed like some of his stuff was like not off book, but just like his own program. Yeah. So um, Rob is a beast on a single speed, and so for anyone who hasn't met Rob's new to No Rider on this year, um, he's also the guy that beat me at Leadville in twenty. So I didn't know that until like three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> And now, I was like, oh. <laughs> I actually think that the thing you should take away from that is talk about my growth as a human. Yeah. How do I have the dude, the only dude in that beat me <laughs> and he's on our team and I can't I can't do anything but to want to support the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, and he beat me at Frog Hollow in November. Like the two times we've raced head to head and he beat me, I just like, hats off, bro. Yeah. Um, I have but he was at he was, uh, 18 so he hours ran, for he was at twelve hours of Mason. Twelve hours Mason solo Verde. solo men single speed. Solo men single speed took second place, and he lost to uh, this guy Mills, um, oh, who also beat me at six hours of Frog Hollow in April. That dude is on the super caliber right. that races for Shields out of Utah. So he, that guy's fast too, dude. He's stupid fast. I can't wait to see him at nationals. Bring it, Mills. Let's go. He but he is crazy crazy fast and. Um, so Rob took second there out of a, out of a strong stacked field of single speeders and uh, huge props to him. And that lunatic then doubled down and had 12 hours of Royal Gorge, also solo single speed, yeah. just this past weekend, yeah. where he moved from second to first. 
and completely just gapped the whole field. Like, yeah, he beat everybody. He smashed everybody. Like, he didn't just win. He smashed the single speed and would have been third in the pro open solo with gears. Yeah. So he just, he's on a terror right now. Like, if you're racing bikes, you don't want Rob to be in the field against you. So, um, but yeah, we came into 12 hours of Royal Gorge and. So you did a duo with Chad. Did a duo with Chad. So Chad and I did duo 12 hour. We had another good team Rob, rep, team representation totally. overall. Like we yeah. had six or eight riders. So we had Rob or uh, Chad and I in duo 12 hour. Rob solo single speed 12 hour. Krista Gilmore rolled a duo women's 12 hour. Right. And then we had Casey Stryker riding six hour solo. Evan Barron, Ben Ellison, Case Cullinan, Karen Cullinan running six hour solo women. How stoked and Steve you for Worst. All of them. Yeah. So we, that's six, seven, eight, nine, ten Almost riders. ten riders. We had ten riders and no ride around kits. And that and was, the, incidentally, that was the race that this woman from, uh, I think she's in Minnesota or somewhere. And she's like, yo, like I saw your team and like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, Krista and uh, her teammate Michelle got first place. Yep. Men, uh, women's. Mm. Chad and I took second place in the men's duo. Uh, Rob took first place. Karen Colonin took third place in the women's 40 to 49. So, again, it was I'm another- so stoked for her because I know she's fit, but I've seen her energy around events, mm-hmm. and she's wound so tight. Uh, so you know how like a baseball is a bunch of wound bands and then it's cased. <laughs> yeah. That would be wound tight. Yeah. She's more like the size of a baseball, but like a bouncy ball. Yeah. It's not even wound tight. She's like this compressed packed yeah. artificial substance of just energy. Yeah. Dude. So she, at the start of the event, now mind you, the six hour people started at 1230. Yeah. New midday or whatever. We started at 7.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. So by the time they're starting, we're already like we're Halfway actively your day. in a race. So yeah. leading into the event, I had a lot of chats with people about nutrition, how they're going to plan things out and whatnot. And then we set up a team tent right on course. So just after the transition area. <laughs> you sent me a picture at some awful hour of the morning. You're like, yeah. we could be closer, but we would be on the trail. On the trail. Like we were, it was perfect, right? And so we set up there. We have the tent and the bike stands and all the water and food and all the stuff. Um but in setting it up on Friday, I, I dropped a pin and sent it to everybody because, you know, it's kind of in this desert area of the gorge. And um, I said, hey, just FYI, guys, like, make sure you are 100% self-sufficient. Not saying you're not going to get help. Like, if you blow a tire and need help putting tire, right. but, like, you need to have all your own like, ducks in a row. Plan on not right. having help. Because when y'all show up, I know that Chad, myself, Rob, and Krista, we're halfway in a bike race. So when you show up, so so funny, we said that everyone's like, yeah, 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 thumbs up, man, thumbs up, for sure, for sure, thumbs up, the, the fucking thumbs up thing on, on the communication stuff. And uh, sure enough, dude, I got off of my bike, you know, I was like my third lap or so. I get off my bike, my heart rate's at 162, right? Like, Chad, 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 no, I transition, Chad, Chad, he takes yeah. out, like, we're full tilt boogie, right? Yeah. I have taken four steps off the bike, Casey, I love you to death, he goes, yo, dude, you got my socks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do, bro. Like, let me. I just threw up like, my last. Fit. <laughs> yeah, homie, I got your socks. Give me like six seconds, dude. Like, I'm gonna be here for about forty minutes. So, like, can we do this in a minute? <laughs> so, I love him to death. And later on, we brought it up, and I was like, man, 
that was like all my energy. He starts laughing. He's like, yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> but he's excited, right? Yeah. Like he's wanting to get he's, geared yeah, up. Yeah, and like, totally. so, so no faults on him, but I was just like, yo, dude. No, and that me. shit never comes from a bad place. <laughs> Ever. Like he's the whole time thinking, dude, I can't wait to get my socks. Yeah, <laughs> the second I see Justin. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so they all show up and they start getting, and that was such a huge, now we got second place. Um, we rode blistering fast. Chad and I put down <clears throat> huge. T- like we both got KOM crowns out there. Right. Like after everyone uploaded, like we laid stupid fast times. And there was another team out of Durango that was just as stupid. Fa- I mean, within seconds of us mm-hmm. on our speeds the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of unfortunate race logistics. They uh, jumped out in the first wave when they were supposed to be like four or five waves, four waves back, and so. When Chad came off the starting line, he looked to be in first place, and we thought we were in first place, and we raced like we were in third. I mean, we raced as hard as we could every lap, not taking that away. But um, come to find out, they were like six minutes ahead, but only because they had started six minutes earlier. So it's just a bit of a bummer not to be able to like see the guy you're racing and be like, it's that guy. Like, So he's one hill above me. Yeah, or, I see him. Or I just passed him. or like We didn't get that energy back and forth. And so we ended up being in second for the entire race only because we didn't get that chance of like an equal head-to-head now i'm not saying that again take anything away from that team they were crazy fast and if you go on strava right now and look at the segments for the royal gorge like 11 segments us four chad myself and these two guys out of durango were the four fastest of like all time on everything like it was it was as tight as it could be um and it came out chad and i overperformed what we thought we were going to do in terms of laps mm-hmm. and we got to actually do our last lap together as a party lap so um, that's just a thing now for you guys I think so. I think the goal would be being so far in first place that you do a party yeah. lap. Uh, and on well, Saturday, we were so far in second place, we did a party we lap. We have a team going out to the, uh, is it the Elephant Rock sun up to sundown mountain yeah. bike race? So we need to make sure that. You know, it's party lap time. know, it's party lap time. It's I'm so- excited for that. I have to work that day. I'm not racing it, but I get to, it's close enough that I get to, they'll still be racing for two hours after I get off of work. Right. So I'll, I'll cruise, get the cruise down there. It's so fun that that in the end is really fun because you're like just smelling the barn and just emptying out. So um, we go back and forth, Chad and I are running. We thought it would be an hour laps. We end up running like anywhere between 46 and 51 minute laps. Um, and so the downtime, I made one mistake on the downtime that I haven't shared with you. Uh, and I actually shared it with Tony from Restore. Um, ben Ellison brought his Normatex out. Put him on. So after my fourth lap third lap third or fourth lap i put them on and i'm like because all the other times you know it's you get back from your lap and you got to drink immediately because you don't drink on course i actually filled up a third of a bottle and put it on my bike because there's not a lot of need in a 45 minute lap yeah. 48 minute lap so i had a third of a, when i came home on on it's saturday on sunday when i washed my bike the third bottle was still a third bottle i never touched it right so when you get back to your pit you drink a full bottle right away ingest as much food as you can right away. People say, how much food? As much food as you can. Like at one point, Ben and Steve were in the pit watching me. Their race hadn't started in. He goes, well, how much did you just eat? And I go, I just ate 700 calories. He's like, holy shit. I go, yeah, you eat as much as you can. Yeah. Period. That, how much, as much as you can. As much as you can physically put into your stomach. So, um, so after my fourth, third or fourth lap, I can't remember which it was. <laughs> Hold on. Let's be a little bit more clear about that because we're going to have people eating cheeseburgers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 
No, you only bring race food, dude. Race food. Right? Like, so easily digestible carbohydrates. There's absolutely no need. No chocolate for milk. Protein. No bacon and cream cheese bagels. <laughs> yeah, learn that one. Really, when you're intra race, you have no need for protein. Don't even play with it. You're not going to use it. And then fat, by definition, fat slow absorbs everything. So when you add fat to your coffee, bulletproof coffee, you slow absorb caffeine. That's awesome when you're working at your desk. Right. But if you're going to eat carbohydrates, the idea of having fat with them to slow the uptake. No, I don't want slow uptake. I need it. Is, I, I need, need it now. I need it into on the demand. Muscle. So you want carbohydrates as fast and as easily digestible as possible right. in copious amounts. Race just, just to help everybody, which is real <laughs> yeah. quick, because we have people like, dude, I ate a thousand calories on, uh, but Pizza. I felt like shit. <laughs> so, uh, we're going back and forth doing our laps. The the six hour guys they start, and that was super fun to cheer them on course. One of those race strategy things, kind of goofy. When I came through transition, half of the six hour people had just jumped on course immediately in front of my transition with Chad, and the team that was six minutes ahead on the start. Didn't have to deal with it. So it's like one of those like frustrating points. You had to deal with some shit. Like, yeah. Where you're kind of like, ah, you know, a little takeaway. Um, but we come through and and I do my sixth lap and and Chad's pretty wound out. Like, because we've been on, you can look at a heart rate data. It's just like full rest and then fully nuked and then fully rest and fully nuked six times. So I come through after my sixth and I'm like, dude, let's just go. And I slurp a goo packet and half a bottle and we party lap together and got to go through and celebrate with everyone and see everyone's podiums. And again, a huge no ride around victory in not just our performance, but in the solidarity of like even the teammates who didn't podium Mm -hmm. were all at the podiums. We're all at the finish line. We're all linked up. Normal shit. That's how we roll. It's it's just the way we do. And it Uh, was. We also need to, uh, I totally spaced to, to mention the, Fangdango race too. Like this team has been all over the place. All over, dude. Fangdango <laughs> pulled three podiums. Yeah. Four podiums. Four podiums in a couple of first places, yeah. some seconds, a yeah. third. Um Blake Moffitt took the Clydesdale yeah, category. Clydesdale first. Uh, Colin got second again. Got second. Um, Ryan Bennett got third again. Third. Was that it? That was it for podiums. That was it for podiums. But Dan and Alex both top ten. Right. So yeah. Just it's super cool. It's just been smash fest. Um, it's been fun. And I think everybody's having fun. Yeah, no, dude. Well, everyone's just, it's in, it's in when everything's good, right? Like, dude, it, but it was also like 14 months of like pent up. Yeah. Like, cause we formed the team about a month before the world ended. And, yeah. and we had spent the three or four months previous to that, like getting, Guy, you know, getting riders stoked on new bikes and new training programs, and and then all of that just got super deflated. Yeah, and so it has been a bit of an explosion, and it's not it's not ending anytime soon, right? Yeah. Like we got a lot more events coming up, but that this did round out for me, it rounded out the uh, that big three block. week block of yeah. races, and so you know, uh, first place at Sarlacc, first place at Fruta, second place at uh, Royal Gorge, and just crazy proud about how it went. But here's the thing, dude, no issues no acute pains no like i don't have any depressed power numbers i wasn't racing fatigued and so spitting in the face of having only one a race if you can have the discipline to do the week in between the way it needs to be done um then you can have multiple top efforts um but we gotta can't do it indefinitely no no i couldn't like so three weeks in a row now um i'm i'm all the way done like i don't want I, i don't want to race 
this weekend for a little while. <laughs> and so I'm not racing for actually I'm not going to race for four weeks, right? And in these four weeks, I'm going to have a huge training weekend. I'm going to have Memorial Day fun in Taos, squishy bike, good times. Um, I got a little out of town stuff where I'm just going to be on a road bike, right? And then I got another good training weekend, and then I go back to racing. So, um. Again, with the idea of training versus racing, your races can be training efforts. Your days after can be training. That's hard to do, but go do the work. But you got to be dis- disciplined in that week in between, and it's frustrating. Like you're, if you're a Strava queen and you're like all about how, what your numbers are, <clears throat> Brian, it's very hard to hit high Strava numbers on a week that needs to be more purposeful. Right. It's hard to hit fitness numbers on a week that's more purposeful. And then emotionally and mentally, you feel pent up. And like I said, Thursday's the hardest day because you go, wait, my body feels awesome. Yeah. Like when you were doing your openers last week, mm-hmm. like my body feels awesome. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's supposed to, but we can't act on it. Yeah. It's got to feel awesome yeah. and just stay awesome. Yep. Because by the time the race comes in two days, I want you wanting to rip the wheels off the bike. Because then you get to go, oh, I don't have to hold anything back. There's no ceiling. There's no ceiling on muscle ability. There's no ceiling on energy stores. You go, I get to do my best. And, and that's the purpose of a race is, is to simply do your best. Whatever your best is, first place or 550th place, it doesn't matter. It's your best. And these prep weeks allow you to do it. But no, dude, I can't wait to just – all week this week I've ridden my bike for fun, right? That doesn't mean easy. I was with the team ride last night. Like, oh, no race. You got to be so excited to have the weekend off. I'm like, yeah, dude, I can't wait to train. Oh, cool. What are you going to do? I'm going to do a 100 mile mountain bike from my house. Right. Like, wait, what? What? You can do what and who? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing a 100 mile mountain bike from the house, test out this new nutrition product, and I'm going to go hammer every mountain bike front range trail and link them all up for a 10 hour day. Like, that's what I, yeah, no, that's what I've been missing. And that's what you'll miss when you're in a race block. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, um, you said discipline, and I oftentimes come back around to that discipline equals freedom thing. So the discipline to do the recovery offers you the freedom to make bad decisions like doing three really bad, really hard races three weekends in a row. <laughs> yeah, but the discipline also equates to the, the results. Yeah, and, totally. And there's no better feeling than doing your best. Um, we had a couple of our racers who are in a training block and – were trying to do races while in the training block and they just didn't do their best yeah. and it bummed them out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that is more damaging to a year's worth of training than missing a workout here or there. Right. Um, we haven't, we mentioned the YouTube channel, but we have since launched like a pretty big project. Yeah. Yeah. Go, <laughs> go ahead and give, give it your recap from your, from your point of view on this. My recap of the whole experience? Of the YouTube. Yeah, what we got going on? Um, so, we haven't ever really packaged what we do into anything to approach uh, partners with. And we had been talking to a potential sponsor, and they had expressed, like, hey, this is kind of what we want to see. And in my head, we were going to self-film it. You bought a GoPro. I got bought a GoPro. I have a friend who does this and da da da. And you're like, no, dude, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> we go in Hollywood. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, and your reason was like r- really on point. Basically you're like, yeah, we can, we can do it. Um, we can DIY it so to speak. Um, and it'll be cool, but we won't, 
because it was free, it won't feel like it has value to us to share it and to use it. And so we spent some money and had uh, one of your coaches, Sarah, and her husband, uh, who run a production company, film a legit, like there's an interview scene, there's scene, there's like interview snippets, there's in gym stuff, there's bike riding stuff. Um, and it was this project that I didn't even like, I have to give a lot of credit to Sarah cause it was all her vision, the way she cut it up and the questions that she asked and the things that she wanted to see. Um, but she really, it, it's, it's a six and a half minute video of what we are, why we do it, what our philosophy is. It, it's, it, I think it came out amazing. Dude, it is so much better than how I even answer in my own head. What no ride around is right. She did better than what's even in my own head. Yeah to capture it um, in such a short amount of time. And so um, what we want is so many teams, what is the identity of a team, right? And oftentimes, especially with some of these, I'm not going to call us like a grassroots team, but you know, we're, we're not the, we're not a pro Peloton team, right? Yeah. We're not a world tour team. Okay. But think of a world tour team. What's their story? Well, I don't know. Every winter you see racers jump from team to team to team to team. And so is there even a story? And I think we have a unique luxury because this was built ground up from us by us. We have this ability to have a super uh, tight bond in that video shows what that bond is. We want people to share it, watch yeah. it, see it. So um, go to YouTube, search for no ride around. And in addition to uh, all the, the trail videos that you've been doing, which the Royal Gorge one, I, I, I text you, the Royal Gorge one's the best because there's somebody. Yeah. And it's like the other ones are great, but that one was the best. <laughs> I agree. And did you notice that Chad was the somebody, right? He yeah. did that Wednesday before. We did our openers on course, by the way. That's how we did that. Um, did you see his little like flare of his rear wheel like on uh -huh. every time oh, he, he could? knew. I was like, was... bro, you're so cheesing the camera. He's throwing his rear tire every time he yeah, could. Every time. Uh, so in addition to the awesome trail videos, um, which, you know, I think you built them initially to, uh, you know, for, for the purposes of people having something to, to do that was indoor more training. relevant with their indoor training. But, you know, if you don't live in Colorado, I think it's just a cool way to see what we ride out here too. Yeah. Um, but so all those are there and they're awesome, but this other thing is on there and it's fucking awesome yeah it's <laughs> dude it's next level so it's the story of who we are um and what we stand for so go please watch it comment on it share, share it, it like it do all those things um and, and help us put more of our story out there uh, see what see what it can inspire in others you know yeah um i think that's gonna wrap it up for us i think we've been john for a hot minute here yeah and there's a half of this chemex coffee here i'm ready to repour in our glasses <laughs> so we'll catch you guys on the next one all right thanks for listening y'all you're not done! So get the fuck out! You're weak! You're done! So get the fuck out!